BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of the show, where we get to sit down, meet some new friends, and go inside the minds of some of the most creative and coolest forces shaping our world today. If you are here because you're in the Vampire Diaries hive, I welcome you. I'm so happy to meet you, and welcome to the show. And although most of you probably know Ian Summerholder as Damon from Vampire Diaries or Boone from Lost, today we get to know Ian through a really different lens and through his work as an environmentalist and a humanitarian. When Ian and I got put together to actually do this episode, I honestly jumped at the opportunity because there was a documentary that dropped on Netflix last year called Kiss the Ground. And I was recommended to watch it by a friend. And the documentary resonated with me so deeply. It's a documentary that focuses on raising awareness and education on the positive impacts of regenerative farming for climate change. We talk about what regenerative farming is and how it's actually the key component to solving climate change. So if you guys haven't watched the documentary yet, I cannot recommend it enough. Head to Netflix right now or go to the description of the show and you can catch it. It's one of those documentaries that really sticks with you and you genuinely will never look at soil the same. And on top of all that, Ian just launched Brothers Bond this past weekend. It's a bourbon company that he actually started with his co-star, Paul Wesley, as an ode to their bourbon drinking days. If you were a fan of the show, you know exactly what we're talking about here. The company did a pre-sale a couple months ago, and it shattered records. And a portion of the proceeds are actually going towards regenerative farming practices and combating climate change. I hope you guys love the episode. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet and you find yourself coming back every week, take the time to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and leave us a review if you can. It really helps us grow. I really appreciate you all. Here's my friend, Ian Summerholder. Hi. Hello. How are you? Awesome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for jumping on today. I'm really excited to be talking. No, ditto. Listen, thank you for that. I, I, I'm grateful to be on with you. I, I'm sorry for the for the delay. We were just on a big investment call, a big international investment call. That's really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. It's really cool. We're, you know, we're on this sort of like amazing precipice of pretty exponential, you know, explosive growth. And so managing that growth and managing your sort of trajectory, but then also building out the sort of future um, is really quite complicated and requires like a really amazing team of people. 
this is really exciting because I feel like most people tuning in right now probably know you as a TV star, but it's amazing to see all these things that are doing on the back end, especially I'm so excited to talk about Kiss the Ground today because it was something that Thank you. it actually came into my life at a really cool time. My closest family friends um, have a vineyard up in Napa and they switched their entire vineyard over to become a regenerative farm. And wow, they had, lucky them. It has been probably one of the coolest experiences to watch. And they're a family and they're like everybody within the family has a very distinctive role. And it's been just such a very humbling experience to watch them do this and read books and documentaries and really get into the weeds of how to make this work. So they had me watch Kiss the Ground and you're a producer on it. You were, you were in it. And it was just such an impactful documentary to me. And I'm so excited to talk about it today and inform our audience about what it's about. Thank you. Thanks so much. I mean, it really, Kiss the Ground was, for anyone who hasn't seen Kiss the Ground, if you do get a, if you get a chance, please, it's on Netflix right now. It's basically sort of a paint by numbers. <laughs> it's basically yeah. like paint by numbers of how we can get out of this climate crisis because we know scientifically that regenerative agriculture and people say, what is regenerative ag? Well, regenerative agriculture is the use of planned grazing methods and large scale agriculture to sequester enormous amounts of carbon dioxide from the air and safely store it back in the ground where it belongs. And once you do that, and you start to rebuild the microbiome of the soil, you get healthier plants, healthier planet, will literally, you produce oxygen, you sequester carbon, you revitalize freshwater stores, and within that builds better communities, better schools, more food on tables, better education. I mean, that's the nucleus, but the, you go from the micro to the macro, all within one setting. And so if you can, please watch on Netflix, and it'll really shine a light on what this movement really is, but it also will instill, not even instill, it will literally boil hope out of your being and your soul because you do see that there is hope and there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train coming right at us. This is circulating through the upper echelons of both, you know, Republican and Democrats throughout the highest levels of, of government, international government the largest corporations in the world. I mean, we were about to see such an amazing change in our agricultural system because if you look at the, the data, you know, there's about 1 billion acres in the United States that are farmed. And of that 1 billion acres, 1 million people control all of them. And out of that 1 million people, 80% of those people are white males, 70 and over. So if you think about those numbers and you say, wow, what's so powerful about that data is that what we're going to see in the next five to seven years is the greatest ushering of new energy into the agricultural space. Minorities, genders, every single walk of life coming into inject energy, passion, expertise, everything from indigenous practices to, you know, all different types of ethnicities, genders. I mean, this is the most hopeful and incredible thing uh, I could ever think of. And so that's why I have so much hope because I understand the data and that's what we want to bring to people. So thanks for letting me talk about it. Of course. And we're going to get into it a ton more. I'm really curious to hear about your experience and your past that has led up to your environmental work because I do think that there is something... I think a large part of 
being passionate about environmental work is either like you've had a situation that's made you come face to face with it, or it's something that's been a part of your upbringing. And it was really interesting in the documentary to hear you say that you grew up in Louisiana and so much of your upbringing was about conservation. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how that impacted your upbringing to get you to where you are now with being so passionate about environmental work. Being from the Southeast, you know, I grew up very poor in in the Southeast Louisiana. But in the 70s or 80s, I was born in the late 70s, but in the 80s, you didn't have to have money to be rich. You were rich. We were rich in culture. We were rich in food. We were rich in space and land. And you could still have horses and boats and motorcycles and still be hovering like right below or right above the poverty line. And so that was an amazing way to grow up because you didn't know. And despite, you know, there was a lot of social injustice back then in certain areas, but we never saw it because all the kids were the same. It didn't matter. All the parents were the same. It didn't matter. So we had this really special upbringing. And my parents, my grandparents were farmers and my mom and dad taught us from the beginning growing up, you know, our front yard basically was about 35,000 acres um, of virgin marsh that butted up to another hundreds of thousands of acres of marsh. And then our backyard was a four or five foot shell walkway with no railing and a bayou with nine foot alligators, with huge alligators and snakes and alligator guard the size of this table. And my mom raised, you know, they, she raised three kids that way. So I'm going to assume there's like very little fear around things like that. We were never taught to fear things, but we were taught to be acutely aware of your surroundings because if you're not, you can get hurt. It was more about situational awareness, which is like such an aviation term, but my dad taught me this literally when I was three. Having that understanding of your awareness, your feet on the ground in that, you know, really fertile, crazy soil, but, or the marsh, but the, the, it was such a delicate ecosystem, right? right? So we could, my father could show me on a scale, literally in front of us, when you take too much, you create an imbalance and nature suffers. So if you can put back as much as you take, you keep this unique balance. And obviously the population was much smaller back then. But one of the examples was in the 80s, they used to dredge Lake Pontchartrain, which is the lake that separates uh, New Orleans, the South Shore from the North Shore. And we lived right on the North Shore, really at the mouth of where the bayou meets the lake. Really beautiful, delicate ecosystem and estuary. Very, you know, very few of them in the world like that. But the lake was dead when I was a tiny kid because of the idiocy of humanity of dredging the bottom of a lake for shells and all sorts of things. What do you think is going to happen to the ecosystem? It's going to die. Throwing the balance off. Exactly. So, so when I was a little kiddo, everybody had saved the lake stickers and all their uh, cars. And we had them on our, the bumpers of our cars. They were on the sides of boats on the sides. You saw it on the news. It was about save the lake. And eventually legislation was passed. The public got hip to what was going on and, and it stopped. And then it started to regenerate. And so to wow. see this as a young person right in front of you, as opposed to it just being drilled into your head by parents or academia, was the greatest exposure to that ever. You know? And so having the mix of that to my grandparents' very terrestrial farm, which was cows, pigs, horses, you know, literally living off of everything, it was 
really a special way to grow up. And I'm, I want to mimic that for, you know, our daughter, our kid, you know, my, my children. So it's just really important. I agree. I think that's a beautiful way to grow up. I think it gives you a lot of humility. And I think I loved what you were saying about almost like spatial recognition and kind of knowing where you are, because I think within that, there's a lot of like reverence for the planet and the world around you. All these things, you can't control those elements. You have to be aware of them. But I think the underlayer of that is having deep respect and knowing that it's, it's greater than you. We'll be right back after a quick break. So right now, I am currently getting some of the best sleep of my life. And I'm sure you're wondering why. Especially after the past year, my sleep has been all over the place. So I'm so excited to be introducing you guys to my new trusty sidekick, Right Wellness Company. They're the creators of an all-new natural solution for sleep, pain, and anxiety. And as you guys know, this show is all about taking you inside some of the most innovative and creative cool minds shaping our world today. But whether you're an entrepreneur or anyone for that matter, life does not come without nights of sleeplessness caused by stress and anxiety. And choosing how we address those problems can be so challenging, especially if we're looking for alternatives to pharmaceutical products that are really pervasive these days. But whatever your situation is, Right Wellness has helped me find the relief that I've been looking for thanks to their all-new tincture that uses the latest transformative hemp ingredient, CBN. CBN is a powerful, non-intoxicating hemp-derived compound with benefits all around reducing stress, sleeping better, and managing aches and pains. The best part of it, it's an all-natural ingredient that's really similar to CBD, but it's just way more effective. Now, Right Wellness wants to help you guys get the relief you deserve. And you can save 20% off now for being a listener of the show by simply going to Right Wellness Co. That's rightwellness.co and use the promo code FRIEND20. And you'll be trying it risk-free. If you're not fully satisfied in the first 30 days, they'll give you a full refund. Go to rightwellness.co and use the promo code FRIEND20. Now let's get back to the show. A lot of parents or a lot of people ask me um, who live in a high-rise in downtown LA with their kids, what can they do? And one of those easy, the easiest things is get your kids in nature. There are so many weekend hikes or just afternoon hikes you can go do right outside of big cities or even in parks. Teach them things. You know, when I sit in New York City, when I sit in, in um, Central Park with friends or with my niece or nephew or best friends' kids who are basically like my niece and nephews or even my daughter, you know, in Central Park, you have these unbelievable giant boulders that are very smooth, right? Those big giant you know, pieces of rock in Central Park. Well, the reason that they're so smooth is from glaciers. <laughs> glaciers cut them and smoothed them out as they moved over the rock. But when you tell a five-year-old that, that where they're standing, at one time, there was 1,500 feet of ice moving across that landscape, reshaping that landscape like a painting, then you just see their little minds explode. And they realize, oh, wow, this is this amazing ever-changing, incredible place that we're in. It's not just horns and pigeons, and it's very special. So you can find beauty even in growing a plant on your windowsill for your kids, you know, or even right. as an adult, that connection to growing, you know, say a pot of mint or some zucchini literally on your windowsill can change your sort of biorhythm with your surroundings. And that I think is yeah. what is so special about it. You know, it's really simple to do. I feel like we saw such an uptick in that during quarantine. People were home. They were way more, I think, in their bodies and in their routines. And 
I planted a little bit too. I just planted wildflowers on my balcony and it's a deeply satisfying thing to watch these things come to life on their own with a little bit of your care, but on their own. It's a really, really simple, simple joy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It it is really special. And those are the little things that we can all do. And that goes directly back to kiss the ground, which is, you know, composting. Uh, People say, well, what can I do? You can compost. You can start growing micro gardens, people growing gardens in their yards and their, in the, what were flower beds before. There are so many ways to sequester carbon dioxide, produce oxygen, and feed yourself that are so unique and also too so bonding, right? I feel like you can restitch this country together through food and agriculture. Because if you make the same, if you think about this, the health of the planet is directly related to the health of the soil and the plants that are growing in it and our oceans too. But if you think about this, there are only three places carbon dioxide can go. The sky, oceans, and the land. The oceans are full up. The sky is full up. The only place we have to put this enormous legacy load of carbon dioxide is in the ground. And what's crazy about this is that, and this is, every time I say this, it'll blows my mind. So hopefully you feel the same. You could take every car off right now. Currently, we could take every car off the road, every maritime shipping vessel out of the oceans, uh, every plane out of the sky. You could shut down every coal-fired power plant in the world right now, and climate change would still happen at an alarming rate. How bizarre is that? And so you say, how is that possible? Agriculture. Soil degradation and mismanagement of land accounts for, you know, it's like Alan Savory says in our film, in our, in our movie, who's the godfather of soil. He said, you know, fossil fuels are by no means the greatest contributor to, to climate change. Agriculture is. And because of the Industrial Revolution and what we've done, we've basically stored what's called the legacy load of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And it's not going anywhere. You can't pull it out unless you draw it down with plants. How amazing is that? It's insane. In the spirit of just education and letting this audience kind of even know where we're starting at, for people who haven't seen Kiss the Ground, can you explain what, I'm sure that you are exhausted of talking about this. But I don't know. What are you talking to- about? I, it's my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. Can you explain to everybody listening what regenerative agriculture is? Absolutely. Regenerative agriculture is the use of large-scale agriculture to sequester enormous amounts of carbon dioxide and put it into the ground safely where it belongs. So large-scale agriculture, meaning growing living plants and using planned grazing methods with hooved herding herbivores. I know that's a big mouthful, but basically to, through a process called biosequestration of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere into the living plant that goes into the soil and stores carbon safely in the, in the ground. And planned grazing methods using hooved herding herbivores to live on a piece of lamb in a small, tight group. Because remember, the symbiosis of the great grasslands of the earth, which are enormous sequesters of carbon dioxide, they were a symbiosis between the hooved animals that lived on it and the land. Right. So these hooved herbivores tilled the soil, lightly tilled the soil, not like deep tillage like we do. Right. And that ruins the soil. Right. That's what I mean. Right. Thank you for reminding me. So the idea that large-scale agriculture 
is created by tilling. Now, we know this because we've tilled our whole lives. We know this is what we do. But would you believe that tilling is the most destructive thing you could ever do to soil? That modern agriculture is not designed for the betterment of the soil. And when you till soil, meaning when you destroy and disrupt soil, you release carbon dioxide. Why is that? Is, is it digging deeper into the soil? So tillage comes through, opens up the soil, and all that carbon that's stored in there goes up into the atmosphere. And the reason we know this is because we have NOAA and NASA satellite data that shows us in the months, and you'll see this in the film, that in the months in which we are tilling, we see these massive plumes of carbon dioxide. I mean, scare, I mean, I see, every time I see those, those slides, I tear up a little bit because I realize just how silly we are. You see these massive plumes of carbon dioxide, world changing, and we do this every year across the globe. But what's so beautiful is, so that's April, right? And then once you get into sort of end of May, June, you see that carbon dioxide in these, these satellite images disappear. And you see, the red, you see the reds and the oranges and yellows go away, which signifies carbon dioxide. And you see the blues and the greens start coming. And what that is, is that carbon dioxide is going away because what's mm. happening on the ground, all those plants are growing. And when you see that, you just go, yes, this is it. This is the way we should be living and growing our food. So developing a no-till agricultural system is not going to be easy. But, but what I mentioned was as the, the older farmer retires and leaves that community, it ushers in new energy. And no-till, and a no-till agricultural system in the United States, India, Russia, China, EU, will literally shift the world on its axis. Climate change will literally be in our rearview mirror. We will have abundant food, abundant fresh water, abundant oxygen, better schools, better food, better health. We'll be right back after a quick break. Calling all animal parents. Are you somebody that fostered over quarantine or maybe had a foster fail and now you have a permanent fur baby for life? I am so excited to introduce you guys to a company that I discovered that could forever change the lives of our pets. It's called Gallant, and it's an animal health biotech company on a mission to help our pets live healthier and happier lives. Using their patented technology, they isolate and store our pet's stem cells for future treatments, and the cells are actually harvested during your pet's spay or neuter process from the tissue that's normally thrown away. Now, traditional medicine usually just manages the symptoms of disease, but stem cell therapies have been shown to address the root cause of age-related illnesses. And stem cells have been evaluated in hundreds of studies and have been shown to improve the quality of life of pets with everything from an allergic skin condition to orthopedic injuries and more. Now, as a new pet mom myself, this is something that I'm so interested in and I'm always researching new things that I can do to help my little Bodhi have a healthier, happier life. So in the spirit of protecting the ones we love, check out Gallant right now. There are banking plans starting at as low as $45 a month if you visit gallant.com. You can take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and actually, you can also save $100 now off the initial payment by using the coupon code FRIEND. Now let's get back to the show. I was astounded at the end of the documentary when Rosario Dawson is on the boardwalk in Venice, and I was sitting there like, oh my goodness, 
basically what happens is she's asking people on the board block, board block like, oh, what's carbon? And I think one woman was like, oh, it's toxic for us. It's really bad. It's like a horrible thing. And you're like, it's how we breathe, but okay. It's, it's also what we're made of. <laughs> it's you know, what we're made of. Carbon, carbon, you know, it's so crazy because carbon has been deemed the bad guy. Carbon's right. the good guy. Same, I mean, but same, uh, something that the documentary points out is so have cows and there's, they are crucial. The most vilified animal in the world now. Right. right. And it's like Gabe says, and I love it. He says, it's, he's, oh God, I love Gabe, man. He, Gabe is the farmer. Yes. Yeah. And he just, by the way, he was just testifying in, in Congress, but he said, the problem is not the animal. The problem is where the animal's at. And it's yeah. so true. And we have that big tracking shot as we're going over this feedlot. And you're thinking, at what point did we decide? To that put, that was a good idea. That that was a good idea. <laughs> to take ruminants, you know, animals with four stomachs designed to digest grass only and put them in a big pen and only feed them grains and corn. Mm. The things they're not supposed to eat. No wonder they're farting like crazy. Their stomachs right. are totally messed up. You just said that Gabe was testifying in Congress. And something that I wanted to ask you is, is there something that this current administration could help, could do that could help move your mission along? hundred percent. I mean, listen, this is not a politicized or polarizing movement right. or topic. Both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, recognize the value of the economics of the food system, the economics of the healthcare system, and taking care of farmers, taking care of the people that feed us is never going to be an issue. That people will always reach across the aisle to take care of farmers, the people that help, not help, the people that literally put food on our tables. When you take care of them, they will take care of us. And I think one of the big things that COVID showed us, which was really scary, and why it hit the United States so hard too, was the unhealth of this massive superpower. We are the unhealthiest major superpower in the world. And I think what's, when the data came back that 45% of all people in the United States over the age of 45 are clinically or technically obese, that I think hit people and healthcare professionals and the public a lot harder than they were prepared to. And I think that, you know, subsidizing huge amounts of agricultural products that are only leading to our demise and destroying the lives of young people with diabetes and a whole host of healthcare issues. When you look at, we spend $447 billion a year on diabetes and diabetes-related uh, medical issues. Can you imagine if that didn't exist, what we could do as a country with $447 billion a year not going into the medical system. It's amazing. We could do anything. And so I think what's going to start structurally start to happen is young people are not going to stand for this anymore. And corporations are going to become hip to that by virtue of the fact they're not going to have a choice. Right. Educated, conscious, compassionate, smart consumers are going to purchase from companies that are doing things like giving back. You know, literally yes. both of these companies are giving back. And I don't mean like net profits. I'm talking revenue, gross revenue. Yeah. And so gross profit, sorry. These are, this is something that is crucial. 
We'll be right back after a quick break. Over the past year, two of my top priorities have been keeping my mental health in check and keeping my happiness in check. And I'm sure you guys can relate to that. So I'm really excited to be sharing something with you that's really helped me keep it together over the past year. It's a platform called BetterHelp, and it's an online portal that provides direct-to-consumer access to mental health services. When you join BetterHelp, you're tapping into the world's largest network of licensed, accredited, and experienced counselors who can help you with a range of issues, including depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, and more. When you join, you're given an assessment that helps match you with your own licensed professional therapist that fits your needs. Plus, it's so convenient. I can literally do a session from my couch. And with their counselors, you're getting the same professionalism and quality you would expect from an in-office counselor, but with the ability to communicate when and how you want, which means no cold office waiting rooms. You'll be connecting in a safe, private, online environment, and you can start communicating with someone in just 48 hours from right now. BetterHelp is helping democratize self-care with their services that are available for clients worldwide. Plus, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. Find the particular expertise you need, and you don't have to limit yourself to counselors that are just located near you. Now, I want you guys to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com friend. And you'll be joining over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash friend. Now let's get back to the show. Let's talk about Brothers Bond because it's launching when this podcast comes out and it's yes. super exciting. Um, you guys can't see, but he's holding up the bottle right now and it looks absolutely beautiful. Um, I'm really excited to try it. Thank you. I'd love, of course. It's like, I feel like it probably feels like having a new kid. <laughs> it is um, the most authentic um, thing I've ever done in my career. Um, and truly, other than, you know, my own child and family, um, other than, you know, Vampire Diaries and Lost were huge parts of my career. Um, they were the biggest at the time. And this is the culmination of, you know, it's like eight years on TV with Paul, but then 11 years this IP has been living globally with hundreds of millions of viewers per episode. But this show obviously was a pop cultural phenomenon, but what it allowed us to do is to become part of this global community that came together over entertainment. And, and the bond of that, we recognize is something that was so powerful. Paul and I, this has been 10 years in the making. Paul and I wanted to do this for 10 years. We just knew that we didn't have time when we were on the show. I knew I was be having, Nick and I knew we would be having a baby. And also this takes a lot of time, a lot of energy and a lot of patience. It's four years to get this bottle. Right. So from start to finish. And then we have an eight year as well. So um, which are line extensions, but you know, the brothers bonded over bourbon on the show. And Paul and I bonded over bourbon off, you know, on screen, the brothers bonded over bourbon off screen. Paul and I bonded over bourbon. We just had so much to give. And this is the most authentic thing we could have ever done. And the ethos of this company is about bringing people together, strengthening bonds, both new or old. And taking a moment to engage and connect with someone or even just that inner sort of voice, but connecting people is a really big deal, especially in this technological age where we think we're all super connected, but we're sort of becoming more distant. And as an agricultural product, you know, corn, wheat, barley, and rye, we are so excited to become part of the agricultural movement. Definitely. You know? 
That was so exciting to learn about. And for listeners who don't know, um, obviously, Paul, he's referring to as his co-founder, Paul Wesley, Paul Wesley. who he co-starred with on Vampire Diaries. What was it about bourbon that you guys were like, this, there needs to be something, there needs to be something new in here? Well, you know, the brothers, other than being in love with the same mortal girl and wanting to kill each other every other episode. I truly love the extension of the show into this new venture for you. I well, think it's awesome. How full circle. Thank you for that. No, for <laughs> sure. I mean, but obviously the other thing that they, these brothers were most famous for is drinking bourbon. I mean, Damon Salvatore was such a lush. Seven o'clock in the morning, this guy's drinking bourbon. And, you know, Paul and I would drink bourbon all day in the show. It was tea, obviously. In the first season, we were drinking black tea that was diluted a little bit, but it was still loaded with caffeine. So Paul and I, by the end of each day, would just be shaking because we were so jacked from caffeine. And so eventually we took and started using decaf. But by the end of the day, we had just been sipping bourbon all day doing these scenes. And Paul would go, oh my God, man, we got to go just like, let's just go sit and just have a bourbon. And we would go, uh, sometimes we would get to go and sit at our favorite bar that we took everybody. And a lot of times, you know, we, we worked really hard, but sometimes it'd be literally almost our entire crew. We might show up to a place to go and sip and have drinks with 60 people. That's how connected this group of people was. And, yeah, that's awesome. And so we drank bourbon and I love bourbon. I'm from New Orleans. I'm a Southeast Louisiana kid. Paul living in Atlanta all that time really grew to love this brown spirit. And, you know, in Louisiana, we take bourbon very seriously. I mean, we name streets after this shit, you know? Right. Um, but it, you know, again, going back to not only just the authenticity from a consumer brand standpoint, I don't think you're ever going to find a brand that has 11 years of IP built into it, 172 pieces of material, hundreds of millions of viewers per episode. And then a report was just released two months ago that Vampire Diaries in 2020 was the most 15th stream show in the world at 14.1 wow. 14. billion minutes. That's insane. And I think top 10 overall in the world. You know, it was just such a big part of my life and the culture around it and the family, right? This is all about family. This is people coming together. And yeah. in this technological age, it is, in, well, it's imperative. It's crucial to our survival. And we want to give people a community. We want to give people a community to come and meet in. And that's what's so special. And that's the driving force behind this. When I heard that you were starting this, I wanted to learn more about bourbon. And I learned that 95% of the world's bourbon is made in Kentucky because it has some of the healthiest soil in the world. And as I was reading that, I was like, how beautifully full circle is this for you? to then go back to a place and create something that is honoring and respecting what you're really passionate about. So I'd love to hear how big of a role that played in, in building this brand. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, that for us, now mind you, it's, it's, um, it takes a lot of structural components to get there, but you know, being able to build from the actual soil that we so love and want to protect what I aim, what we aim to do is literally build the world's first fully regenerative spirits company on the planet. Yeah. And with that, you know, you really get to take stock in how you operate. And from even this, the minute, you know, even the 
every, the paper is recycled, the ink is vegetable, the, everything is, you know, just going and doing And By the way, it's not about polarizing. You're not always going to be completely perfect because right. it is a new product company. You cannot, there are certain regulations and things that you actually have to use, right? Like the, you know, the heated uh, thermal plastic here, that is a regulation. You're not getting around that. But every aspect of this, we get to control as time goes on. And the thought of, you know, the corn going into this bottle, regenerative corn that pulled carbon dioxide from the air and put it in the ground to feed the microorganisms in the soil that sequestered carbon, produced oxygen and held water in the soil. And then it gets processed. And, you know, we pay for that corn. That money then goes to those employees and to the farmer and it puts food on tables and builds tax bases and better schools. And like you start unraveling this web of what just a simple bottle of bourbon can create. Yeah. And you just smile because if you don't, I feel like if you don't make it that granular, then you're missing the whole world. You know, the world is made up of literally one grain of sand or dirt or a piece of a stone or a piece of a tree or like, it's also granular. Life is granular. Developing this company has been no exception to that. And, you know, it's not about making big, bold statements and not being able to live up to it. It is about structurally building to that place where one day, you know, we can stand there at our own distillery, our own home in Kentucky and look out and know Every single element that we put into this is either reused, recycled, recyclable, or giving back to the world in some way where we're not just taking. Yeah. I love that. I think that's an amazing mission to stand by. And you mentioned earlier that a big part of your mission is you will be donating portions of your profits to support regenerative agriculture. And just prepping for this interview and getting to know you it was a really, really beautiful thing to see how much you're bringing your purpose and your mission into what you're doing. And I'm curious to hear for people who are listening right now who might want to start companies or build something one day, what your biggest piece of advice is for including your purpose and something you're passionate about that could also help the planet in whatever business someone would start. So first and foremost, thank you for those kind words. So you just said the two things, you just said two words that I've learned And it comes from some of the most, I guess you could say successful, but I don't mean it's successful, but the most powerful minds in the world. One of the things that we always look for, whether you're starting a business, raising a family, going to school, working a job, life is about finding purpose, right? But what the hell is purpose? It's such an elusive thing, right? Purpose. What I've found and what I've learned is you get purpose when you marry skill with passion. That's how you find purpose. So if you are wanting to start a business or a family or anything, but if you are looking into this, authenticity, story, purpose, people, planet, profit. What is it that you want to do? What are you passionate about? What are you good at? So unless you're doing it for those reasons, probably won't be successful or you could be and you might make some money or do some great things, but I don't know if you're going to actually find that or if your consumers are actually going to be able to connect to what you're trying to do. 
because that authenticity, story, uncompromising quality of product, and the ethos of people, planet, profit. That, I just don't know any other way to do it or any other way to say it, which is if you want to find purpose, find what you're good at and what you're passionate about. Fuse them together. I'm grateful if you can put those elements into your ethos and the way you sort of want to live your life or run your company or your family because I feel that healthy, happy people build healthy, happy societies. They make happy, healthy choices. They build happy, healthy families. And from that come happy, healthy towns, cities, counties, provinces, regions, countries, continents, and then ultimately world, you know? And I don't mean to sound super kumbaya about it. I mean, this is like... No, I, I think it's st- contagious. Structural, these are structural mm-hmm. elements that you can actually build um, a company or a family or a community around. Our orders and sales trajectory is, you know, seven or 10x what we anticipated it to be. How exciting. Um, it's, <laughs> it's mind, it's mind <laughs> yeah. blowing. Of the 200 emails I get a day, 190 of them are like explosive, insane news where you go, what? That real? Oh, real, wow. And it's contagious. It just, it, I mean, I, I'm hoping it doesn't stop, but it's really, I mean, it's a lot of work. I'm up at five and I'm in bed by midnight, but every second of it is so encouraging and empowering and humbling and amazing. And, you know, the second I jump off with you, I go be a dad for, you know, 50 minutes and then she goes back and then I jump on another. And so my wife and I are just, you know, she has an incredibly successful, amazing company and she's a maverick in that space, you know, sustainable, ethical jewelry and lifestyle and really walks that walk and talks that talk. And so her and I are just like passing each other in the hallway, just like high hey, five. Go get and, him. Yeah. You get the baby, you go get in a call. I'll get the baby, I'll get on a call. You get the baby, I I'm going to go. And so it's this like unbelievable, you know, very 21st century, but we try and go back to in the middle of the day when we set all the phones down. We go into the garden and we pick lunch and we go sit down as a family. And, you know, it, like these, these are all, again, granular. It's literally one step at a time. And I'm terrible with time management. My poor wife, you know, I am. I just, it's, it's not how my brain works. Right. So, you know, she keeps it all together and my team keep it all together. And I just spiral and build and build and spiral and build and just dream and create. And um, it's all about the team. It's all about about the team. Yeah. I want to close the show by uh, letting you let our audience know how they can get involved and support kiss the ground and then where we can find brothers bond. Oh my gosh. So listen, thank you for that. So kiss the ground, please. If you can, we're on, it's on Netflix right now. Check it out um, and check out kiss the ground, check out what we're doing. Um, this is a movement that can really change your world. There's an educational component. If you are a farmer or you know a farmer, please enroll. Please just learn how soil works. It will change your whole, it will literally, I, I know it sounds not super humble. It will change the trajectory of your life once you know how this works. Um, you'll never step on a piece of dirt again and see it the same way. And, and I love that. And it's so special. 
So thank you. And thanks for anyone who has watched it and talked about it. Please keep sharing. It's, um, I think it's going, not think, it will change the planet. This stuff will be available May 1st. We're starting, um, I think in 15, we're going to roll out 15 states every month until we're, 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 we've got all 50 and then the world will follow. So this is May 1 and it's available, you know, in a town near you soon. So I'm really grateful. Thank you for, for those of you who've already purchased these bottles. It means the world to us. Your loyalty um, is not forgotten and we can't wait. You know, there's so many great ways. Again, it's about community. We're doing, Paul and I are ecstatic. We're doing virtual tastings. We're doing, I mean, we're going to run the, you know, it's what we're doing. This is our right. life. And so um, we can't wait it's to do so it exciting. with you. And uh, yeah. Congratulations on everything. Olivia, thank you for being so in this and, and kind with your words and allowing me to, you know, get on this soapbox. And uh, obviously I'm just, I'm really grateful and congratulations on everything. You're crushing. Oh, thank it, so. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Especially coming from you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.